0: Hey, I want to welcome you to service. Uh, My name is Tom Trask. I am the campus pastor here at Chi Alpha, and I just want to say thanks for joining us. I hope you've enjoyed so far hanging out in God's presence, worshiping Him, because, uh, well, we were kind of made to worship God, and that's our thing. Uh, We also have a stellar worship team that puts in a lot of time every week to, uh, to practice, to, you know, get up here and do a quality job um, I like to joke many 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 years ago when my wife and I took over the ministry she was our worship leader and my wife can sing don't get me wrong but needless to say the level of uh, hmm how do I say this nicely uh, they're not as good let's just go with that and uh, even our worship leader as a freshman came to service the first week and she almost didn't come back to Chi Alpha because our worship was so bad at that time. But the music was bad. Yeah. Yes, the actual music was horrible, but the heart of worship, Jesus, was good. And so that drew her back, and so we appreciate all all they do and stuff. Hey, um, I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into things this week. Uh, if you were here last week, or actually if you weren't here, we started our message series for the semester called Make Your Mark. And we did started it by looking at uh, where Jesus calls Peter, Andrew, James, and John to be his disciples found in Mark chapter 1, verses 16 to 20. And it's here that Jesus calls to them and says, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Uh, the simplest reason why Jesus asked for these young men to follow him was because he wanted to change their lives. Uh, here, here's the thing you got to know about Jesus. Jesus loves change. Jesus Uh, Honestly, for a guy, or God, excuse me, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he loves him some change. Jesus is an agent of change. That's his whole purpose, is to change you and me. Uh, He didn't step down from heaven. He didn't become a man. He didn't live this life. He didn't die on a cross. He didn't come back to life just so that we could stay the same. That's a waste of time. Jesus doesn't waste time. He came so that our lives would be changed. And in turn, God has chosen each of us to leave an eternal mark on this world by helping those around us to change also. And while Jesus changes us from the inside, He changes our souls, our spirits, when we choose to follow Him, sometimes our... uh, Outside, or maybe our thoughts, our behaviors, our actions, uh, they take a little longer to catch up on this whole change thing. And Jesus knew that, and he knew that change happens through what is called the power of proximity. I said last week, the only way we can ever hope to change is to be in close proximity to God and to each other, and then we reveal who we truly are. Uh, Last week, we talked about the first way that change happens, and that occurs through discipleship. Discipleship is basically the process of learning to be a follower of Jesus, That's why Jesus chose these 12 young men to live with him, hang out with him, spend time with him for three years. Make no doubt, he preached, he healed the sick, he brought people back from the dead, but Jesus intentionally invested in these young men's lives so that he could leave his church, his people, with them and in turn their job were to make other disciples and to pass on the truth of who Jesus was to other people in Chi Alpha we do this process through our life groups we live life together we love one another with the love of Jesus Christ and we lead people closer to Jesus all with a specific desire that we become more like Him. Tonight, we're gonna to look at another part of the power of proximity that uh, brings life change, and it's our proximity to God. You see, being close to God is gonna change us. Being close to who He is is gonna bring about a real life change in us, and that proximity, that being close to Him, happens through prayer you see prayer if you're not aware it's kind of our communication with God it's our conversation with him and I know it's basic and if you've grown up in church I'm not exactly saying anything that's rocket science here but prayer will cause a change in several areas of your life and we need to get in the habit of daily spending time with God in prayer. How many of you know that sometimes you can replace two or three bad habits by replacing it with one really good habit? Uh, example, well, maybe you can uh, get in the habit of going to bed earlier. And then you won't feel as tired, you won't be lazy, apathetic and habitually late to class or work. There's silence on that one, I say. <laughs> yeah. It's like, mm, maybe, maybe, yeah. You see, Jesus was in the habit of spending time in prayer. And if we want to do the things that Jesus did, if we want to be like Jesus and be like him, we have to learn how to pray. And we have to learn to get in the habit of prayer. And Jesus modeled the power of prayer to his disciples right from the very beginning of his time with them. Tonight we're going to be looking at uh, four short verses here in the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 35 to 39. Let me kind of set up for you what is happening up to this point. Uh, Jesus and the disciples, they haven't been together too long. They've, been, they've begun their ministry. Uh, this day, they did ministry in a synagogue. It's basically a Jewish church. And things went really, really well. I mean, it was a good day. Sometimes, you know, come to Chi Alpha, you know, lives are changed. People are saved. You know, worship's stellar. It's like, wow, that was a good service. This is Jesus' service. He spoke. People saw authority in his speaking. He cast a demon out. Life is good. And so, you know, church finishes up, and afterwards, they all decide to head over to Peter's mother in law's house for a little bit of dinner. Uh, how many of you know that Christians really good at, are good at eating? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Don't forget, La Siesta after service tonight. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, though, we do that a lot. we do it today guess what Jesus and his disciples did it back then then the problem is when they get to Peters mother-in-law's house they find out that mom is sick and like many guys my guess is the disciples did not know how to cook well and so I can see the disciples being like Jesus you need to heal this woman quickly we are hungry we need some food And Jesus knows our needs. And so He ministers to His own disciples. And He walks into Peter's mother-in-law's room and says, Mom, you're healed. And immediately, she gets up out of that bed and starts cooking Him some food. (laughs) And all the disciples praise Jesus at that time. (laughs) They're hanging out. They're having a good time. They eat. They celebrate. You know, probably by this time, you know, some of the disciples are in food coma off to the side, you know, get a little food baby and, you know, it's like, all right, it's time to roll. Let's get out of here. They go to leave the house, they open the front door, and there are a whole lot of people standing there. Word tells us that the whole city showed up because they had heard about the miracle that Jesus did. One of those things that I can tell you, probably the most tired I ever feel doing ministry is when I'm done speaking. I'm not always good, I'm not always perfect, but I will always give it 110%. And that means I use up my energy. And so I'm sure Jesus was in human form, he was tired. He was probably a little bit worn out. Open that door. Me? I might have just been like, shut the door. Step back. Is there a back way out? Gotta go. And or you know, but Jesus didn't do that. He didn't go running. He didn't force his way through the people. He met a need. He steps out in power, in authority. He starts laying hands on people left and right. He starts healing people left and right, spreading God's love and the people who needed him were changed. And so, how was Jesus prepared in that moment? Even when he probably was tired, how was he ready to go when the opportunity arose to change people's lives? The answer to that question is found in the first verse we're going to read. I'm going to go ahead and read all of it to you, and then we'll kind of come back to things and take a look. Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon Peter and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. If you look in verse 35, it says, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. In Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it says that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. You see, Jesus cultivated a habit of prayer in his life. I always tell our leadership team, the best ministry the kind that produces the most fruit, that leads to changed lives, that God has put His favor upon, will always come out of an extravagant time with Him. You see, it's through prayer that Jesus understood His purpose and what His next steps should be. Uh, you got Peter and those guys, uh, the, the other disciples... They came looking for him. The word in the Greek actually means to like pursue, to hunt down. They wanted him to come back. They wanted to come, him to come back to town, do more miracles, which in human makes sense. If things are going well, if lives are being transformed and people healed, why wouldn't you stay? And yet, Jesus is like, nah, we got to go. You see, it's through prayer that Jesus discerned the Father's will. Verse 38, But Jesus replied, We must go on to the other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. Prayer kept Jesus rooted in his mission and in his relationship with his Father. And so, If you want to be successful, if you want to leave your mark the way God has created you to, you got to become a person of prayer. And in these few short verses, Jesus gives us three ways that we can cultivate a habit of prayer in our lives. The first way, find a place. Find a place to pray. A habit begins by doing the same thing over and over and over again. There's a old, you know, there was belief at one point in time that if you do the same thing 21 days in a row, it becomes a habit. It's not really true. They've done more studies, and it takes at least 66 days to form a habit. And depending on what you're doing, it takes even longer for you to get to y- doing the same thing over and over again without having to think about it you need to start out by choosing a place to pray every day. And early on, I'm going to make a suggestion, choose the same place every single day just so you can get in the habit of doing it. Whether that's your table, your closet, your car, your bathroom, whatever it is, pick a spot and get into that habit of hanging out with Jesus. For me... I sit at our table with a cup of coffee and me and Jesus talk over coffee. It's a good time. I also want to encourage you to begin the day in prayer. Don't get me wrong. Jesus is not confined by time. He is beyond all time. There's many examples in the Bible of Jesus staying out all night praying into the early morning, and yet we see Jesus starts in prayer before he goes into a day of ministry. I had a staff person one time a few years ago, they're like, Tom, I don't know, man, I just, I like to pray at night. That's when I'm I'm ready to go, I feel better about it and stuff. And I'm like, you know, it isn't a matter of whether God's presence is there or not, but James, I don't need you empowered when you go to bed. I don't need you asking for divine opportunities when you're about to go to sleep. I need you to seek God's face when the day starts so that He can use you throughout the day. Don't get me wrong, if you got to every once in a while, guess what? Hang out with Jesus. But you need that power and I'll get there in a second and I'll just say this off notes here It's a special bonus alright with prayer Jesus prayed for a reason to receive a purpose that we're gonna get to to receive power and to receive parenting in his life okay you see Jesus received power, it's through prayer that God's power is released in this world. And with me, you know, it's one of those things that God wants us to pray to receive power, but He also wants us to pray in power. It's something that, something's been weighing on my my heart heavy for the last few days, and I've been in prayer, and all of a sudden God snapped His finger like, obviously metaphorically speaking, but he got my attention. He's like, Tom, are you praying in fear or are you praying in power right now? Because it was worrying me and all of a sudden my prayers became every worst case scenario of what could happen and that's not from the Lord. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power. And so the power we need needs to be at the beginning of the day. One requirement I do got to put on it here is that your place needs to be a quiet place. Jesus didn't head out to the busiest place possible in the morning with a lot of distractions and a lot of noise. Jesus went for a walk alone in the wilderness. Traditionally in the Bible, when you see the wilderness, it's talking about an isolated place where people meet God. You have Moses meeting God in the wilderness at the burning bush. You have Elijah going into the desert to meet God on top of a mountain. And now you have Jesus taking time to just be alone with the Father. Habits are not legalistic. Habits are not religious. Habits are smart. What Jesus modeled for us today, what Jesus modeled for us still holds true today. The world you live in doesn't stop, folks. It just keeps going. And is noisier now than at any point in human history. And noise means more than sound. When I say noise, it means anything that impacts your senses. So your phones, your social media, your TV, your Netflix, your video games. Maybe there are some things that are even less obvious. Distractions. Maybe your music. Maybe even your friends. I'll be honest, I've been in this ministry long enough. I've seen some very unproductive study groups before. Even your own thought life can be noisy. I don't know about you, but I struggle at times to turn off that internal dialogue in my life. Noise has become the drug of your generation. Silence is uncomfortable. Years ago, if I talked about silence, I would literally get up and just stand and stare at you for guys for about two minutes. If I did that today, i think some of you just freak out and start running out of here. <laughs> it's uncomfortable for us. And I think a lot of times people are scared to see what happens when the noise stops. And yet, that's where we find the Lord. Uh, Here's the thing. In relationships, whether it's with people or with God, you can't find out about someone. You can't know their dreams, their desires, their hopes, if you can't hear them speak. Elijah heard God's voice in a whisper when he was in a quiet place. And the same is true with each of you. It's hard. It's not going to happen automatically. You're going to struggle at times. But what I can tell you is if you never give God the opportunity to speak, you're never going to hear him. And so start by finding a place. Secondly, find a plan. God uses prayer to reveal what our next steps in life should be. In verse 38, Jesus told the disciples, we must go on to other towns and I will preach to them too. This was not a fully detailed three-year plan of ministry itinerary that Jesus was telling them at the time. Jesus didn't tell His disciples every little thing that was going to happen or that they were going to experience every success, every failure. It was the next step that God had planned for them. You understand there were no way. There'd be no way these disciples, still young in their ministry career, were ready to know everything that was going to happen. And when you look in the word even when Jesus told them what was going to happen, they didn't understand it. And so, here's what you need to know. 1. God's got a plan for you. The Lord tells us in Jeremiah 29.11, I know the plans I have for you. The plans are for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. He's got a plan. You need to trust that God has your back. He created you. He loves you. He's got a plan. Be content in that. Secondly, in your prayer time, just ask, what God's plan is for you today. No, I'm not saying you can ever plan ever ask God about the future, okay? But too often, we go into every prayer time looking for God's five-year, ten-year plan for our lives. When many times, God just wants to give us the step we need to make today. Most of us, we couldn't handle what God has in store for our lives It'd be too overwhelming, and we would run the other direction. The Lord never gives us more than we could handle. Last week, I introduced to you, we have that, uh, our lineage of discipleship. And I introduced you to one young lady on that list named Kim Boley. Good girl. Was a student at Missouri State. Came to Missy and I were like, hey, I'm going to give one year to Chi Alpha. And I want to do it with you guys. I'm like, awesome. Come on up. I'm just to be honest with you. The Lord had spoke to my heart, and I felt that Kim was going to be in, doing Chi Alpha a lot longer. Same time, the Lord didn't tell me. Tell her that. The Lord said she just needs to know what she's going to do next. And so she came up, and she gave a year, and towards the end of the year, she's like, Hey, Tom, I think God wants me to give another year. It's like, All right, Kim. Sounds great. Why don't you stick around? And then the end of that year comes, and she has grown and has become more a woman of the Lord. And at the end of that year, she's like, you know what, Tom? I think I'm supposed to spend five years here. I'm like, what do you know, Kim? Okay. I'm cool with that. Why don't you hang with us? And the end of that five years came, and she's like, am I supposed to stay? Am I not? I'm like, you need to talk to the Lord. And she came back and she's like, I'm ready. The Lord told me, I'm going to be doing this for a long time. The Kim I know, when she got up here, would have run away screaming if she knew God wanted her to be in ministry. I don't want to be in ministry. I don't want to deal with kids forever. No. Now, her and her husband lead the ministry at Southeast Missouri. Me? Me? Shoot, man. I don't know if I I'll be honest. I don't know if I would have taken Mizukai Alpha if I would have known everything before I got here. I didn't need to. I just need to put one step in front of the other. I just need to ask God what you want me to do today. You see, our obedience today opens the doors for what God has for us tomorrow. God's got it. He's got your back. You just got to step through it. Finally, find a purpose. In your prayer time, find a purpose. You see, it's during our time with the Lord that He reminds us of our purpose. Verse 38 concludes with Jesus saying, that's why I came. I, I don't, Jesus was the Son of God. I don't think He ever forgot why He came to earth. But I can tell you, the older I've gotten, there are times I will literally walk into a room and I forget why I walked into that room. I need someone to help me, okay? <laughs> Jesus didn't struggle with this problem, but it's in our time with the Lord that He will do three things. Reveal, renew, renew. And remind us of the purpose that we were created for. When I say reveal, I'm talking about a new purpose that the Lord has placed in our hearts and our lives. Everything has a starting point. Everything has a beginning. At some point in your prayer time with God, He's going to burst something new in your heart. A new passion that he wants you to step into in our prayer time there are times that he's gonna renew a purpose in our life he's gonna renew a purpose that Lord put in our hearts years ago Uh, you know what just honestly time ah, time is not always easy on our purposes you know, for different reasons over time, the thing that was shiny and new and the exciting purpose that God initially gave us becomes dulled. Whether that's because of work or stress or busyness of life, sometimes our purposes become a little less clear. And maybe our passion isn't quite as strong as it used to be. But you see, it's in that time with God in that quiet place that He renews the purpose that He gave us years ago. He reminds us of that purpose that we thought was dead and gone and never could come back to life. And my God brings things back to life. Time with God renews the purpose in us. And it gives us the strength to carry on. And our time with the Lord also reminds us of our life purpose. You see, in the hurricane that's life, whether it's your school, your work, your relationships, or even accomplishing the work that the Lord has put in your life, there are moments when God wants us to stop so that He can speak bits of truth to us. God wants to be the eye of the storm. He wants to provide us with an intimate moment of peace where God can speak our life's purpose over us. And when I say that, I'm not talking about the passions He's placed on our hearts. Or even the specific purposes that God wants us to accomplish in this life. When I say life purpose, I'm speaking about the kind of purpose that helps us to understand why we were knit together in our mother's wombs and why Jesus thought we were worth living for and dying for. Our life purpose isn't what we do It isn't the things that we accomplish in this life. This is something that the Lord has tried to work on me many, many times over and over again. And He constantly has to remind me. Our worth isn't found in the boxes we check off in this life. It isn't even in the people we reach for the Lord. Our life purpose is to love God and, even more importantly, to be loved by Him. In the midst of good and bad, ups and downs, God wants to speak His unconditional love over us. And you see, it's out of that love, out of that love for me and my love for Him, that I live out my personal purpose. I go make disciples. I follow Him. I put my trust in Him. But you see, none of that can happen the way that the Lord has intended until we embrace our life purpose to be loved by God. The rest of what you do will pale in comparison to this one thing. Everything else will fade away but this. It's the start of every dream. It's the ending of every life. Despite what we have done or will do, God's love remains the same. It's unconditional. I want to put a picture up here. There we go. This is my daughter. This is Taylor. This is my girl. She is my heart. Missy and I, for many years, we struggled to have children. Uh, We have had a couple of miscarriages over the years. And then one day the Lord blessed us with a little girl. I'll be honest. Before I had a daughter, I knew what unconditional love meant. Sorry, she's staring. But it's when God brought her into my life that I began to truly understand. See, the day I found out Missy was pregnant, I loved Taylor. The day that Taylor was born, this one, and I got to hold her for the first time, I loved Taylor. My daughter can be a handful at times. You can be a baby jerk, is what I like to call it. I still love her. And I will love my daughter for the rest of her life. Last night, even though I was busy, uh, Taylor and I went for a walk together. Just her and I. Went for a little walk around the block. It's fun, you know. She fills me in about her four-year-old life, you know. (laughs) Cartoons, I don't know what Lala Loopy is. I have no idea. Uh, You know, she tells me about her new class at school, her friends. I have a little app on my phone that shows all the constellations. So we stood out there under the stars and just held it up and looked. And the whole time around the block, you know, I was walking with her and just holding her hand and just, hey, I love you, Taylor. I love you too, Dad. And just kept walking. I love you, Taylor. I love you, Dad. And I kept on saying it where it got to the point where she finally was like, I know. <laughs> I get it. But you see, that's my purpose as a dad is to love my daughter and to make sure she knows that I love her. In the same way, we were created by our Heavenly Father to be loved by Him. He wants that time with us. We, here's the thing, folks. God doesn't want us to pray for His benefit, alright? He already knows Everything. He's all-knowing, all-powerful, all that great stuff. He wants us to pray and spend time with Him for our benefit. To know what the Father's voice sounds like. To know how much He cares and how much He loves for us. And it's in our quiet times with Him that He reminds us that we are His and we are loved. This kind of prayer brings about change in our life. If Jesus, who is perfect, needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray in our lives? I just want to leave you with this. The prayers you pray today will affect the life you live tomorrow. God wants you to have a good life, folks. He sent Jesus so you could have life and have it abundantly. And that starts with God's love. Well you bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to wrap.